I heard something on the, on the way to church this morning I think is, is uh, relevant for us. Um, and I think it's something we can all relate to. I hope I can keep the numbers straight. Uh, there's this preacher that comes on on our way to church, and he usually comes on about the time I turn on 166, and I get to listen to him until I get to the parking lot. So um, I don't ever get much of, of his stuff um, on Sunday mornings, but I, this morning he said something that he always starts out with some kind of little funny something. <clears throat> this morning he was talking about there was a study done, and he gave all kind of statistics, but I'm going to try to just use the ones that I remember so I don't mess it up. There was a study done over a 1,000 folks, patients, doctors' patients. 70, somewhere around 75% of these patients did not take their medicine the way it was prescribed. They went to the trouble to go to the doctor. They went to the trouble to seek out a diagnosis. They got the diagnosis. They were told what it would take to make them better and then didn't take it as it was prescribed. Some of y'all smiling because you've been there. 30 plus percent of these 1,000 patients went through all the trouble to go to the doctor they got their prescription, they were told what was wrong, got their diagnosis, was told what was wrong with them, was told what would fix them, gave them their prescription, and they never went and got it. 30-something percent. Now some of y'all got this crazy look on your face because y'all don't get it no more than I do. Some of you doing this because you done done that. Right? We've been there, we've done that. 75% didn't take it the way it was prescribed and 30-something percent just never went and pursued it any further than going to the doctor. <clears throat> week after week, we, we come into God's house. This is what popped into my mind when he was saying all this. Week after week, we, we come into God's house. For what? Hopefully because you're looking for something. Hopefully because you're seeking what God would say to you this day. And week after week we get our prescription. Week after week the scriptures point us in the direction that we should go that we may be healed from the things that bind us. Week after week our infirmities are brought to the light of scripture. Right? Week after week Jesus says this is how you should act. This is how you should look. This is what would heal you. This is what would fix what's wrong with you. And week after week we go home and we don't take it as prescribed. A large majority of us we don't even go get the prescription filled. We go home with our Bible under our arm. We toss it on the catch-all as you come in the house. So it'll be there next Sunday on our way back to church. And then we look at the world that we live in and go, how does it get this bad? How does, how does it get to the point that we can't even send our kids to school without worrying about somebody coming in and shooting them? How, 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 does, it, how does it get? I can tell you how it gets to this point. I can tell you how we got to the times that we live in. It's because Genesis chapter 3. <laughs> it was all broken right there. 
And ever since then, it's a struggle for us to get back to being the reflection of the image God created us in. So many of us get the prescription and then we don't take it as prescribed or we don't even get it filled. It was a slow fade. It'll be a slow recovery. And it'll be an individual effort on the parts of every one of us. See, if we get to coming in and out of the doors and and we, we get these assignments and we get these titles and we get all this going on in our lives and we get convinced that we're exactly where God wants us doing exactly what he wants us to do. And everything's falling apart around us and we can't figure out why. It's because you're doing what you want to do. It's because you're treating it the way you want it to be treated. It's because you're pursuing the things that make you happy. You're not doing anything that make God happy. Look at, look at the people in Scripture, the instances in Scripture when somebody stands before Christ in judgment in, in, in Revelation and in John. When, when John writes in Revelation. Look at, the, look at the instances where Jesus looks at somebody and says, Flee from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. You know how they addressed him when they came in? Lord, Lord. The same way we do. They were confident in it. Yet he gave them a prescription and you know what they did with it? You know what that says when we do that? When we look into God's word and God shows us something that we need to become more like the reflection of his image and we walk away and don't do that. That's us telling God we know more about it than you do. That's me telling God that I know how to fix this regardless of what you say. It's me telling God I don't trust that you know how to handle this. It's the same thing you're telling the doctor when you don't take the medicine that's prescribed. I don't trust your diagnosis. I, don't believe, I believe I know more about me than you do. It's hard to imagine that we'd look at the Creator and say that, but we do. The Creator, the one who made us. We look at him and go, I trust me more than I trust you. I trust my ways more than I trust your ways. And we do it over and over and we're all guilty of it. Every one of us, we're guilty of it. Go with me to the book of Titus. <clears throat> I want to do my best to, to get through this thing. And for those of you who is wondering, yes, I've been taking my medicine as prescribed. It just ain't kicked in right yet. Um, I will say that I have felt better this week than I have in a long time. And it, although I sound horrible this morning, I feel about as good today as I have since the first week of October when all this mess started. I think I'm on the right track, and I think what they've given me is working. I just got to finish it out, try to get it over with. So if I go into a coughing spell and I fall out up here on the stage and somebody will revive me and remind me where I was in my notes, I'll keep going. I promise. I'm in Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 starting in verse 11. Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness... 
in worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. Let's pray. Father and our God, I come to you this morning just to praise you, Father. I thank you for the things that have taken place already this morning. I thank you for the, the music that's been sang. I thank you, Father, for the hearts you've already touched. I pray, Father, that you continue to, to use my voice to, to get your message out. I pray, Father, that you would strengthen my voice this morning, that it would endure to the end of this message. I pray, Father, for your continued guidance for us as a church and for us as individuals. Father, I pray for those that have lost loved ones. I pray for those, Father, that are, that are suffering this morning. I just ask your hand of comfort to be upon them. But Father, I pray right now, most of all, that you would clear our minds and our hearts, that you would open us, Father, so that we may receive your diagnosis, that we may trust your diagnosis. Father, that we may be able to live godly in this present age. I thank you and I love you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In this time, in this time, February the 25th, 2015 at Wales Baptist Church, a little bald-headed, loud-mouthed, big-bellied preacher preached a message called In This Time, In This Time, Where We Live. And what is this? How would you describe this time? How would you describe this present age? Here's what came to my mind. In our time, where the Bible isn't taught in school, where on the average day, prayer is not welcomed. In this time, where the basics of Scripture isn't handed down in households day to day. The basics of Scripture are not handed down in our households day to day. In this time where shame no longer exists. Where if you rename it, sin is not sin. In this time where you and I live. You know, it's been a, it's been a crazy week. It has. Started the week off with a, with a fire over in Lawrenceburg that injured four and claimed the life of, of one firefighter. And to watch that progress, I believe the firefighting community probably understands unity about as well as anybody I've ever seen. Or they display it that well anyway. Um, I've never seen such things as I've seen this week. Um, people from all over the state coming to take these guys' place so that they could mourn the loss of a brother. That was unity, and it was on full display for the whole world to see. <laughs> they wasn't making no bones about it. I mean, I seen grown men um, that I went to school with get on TV and be interviewed and cry like a baby trying to get across why they were doing this, why they came from Laverne to Lawrenceburg to cover somebody else's shift, why they came from Chattanooga, Stone Mountain. They, they came from all over the state in a symbol of unity. They understand family as well as anybody I've ever seen. 
we claim it, but I don't know that we got it like they got it. Those guys understand it, what it means to just step in and do for somebody else just cause. They didn't know them folks. Then, then as the week goes, another school shooting in Florida. 17 killed. About that many more injured. For what? Why? No answers. No answers. A 19-year-old man been planning it for a while. Thought it through. For what? For why? How do we get to that point? How do, how do we live in a society where we look and see such a beautiful example of a man laying down his life for people he don't know and then people in unison stepping in on his behalf and on the behalf of his loved ones and then going and watching 17 people needlessly lose their lives. This is all a result of Genesis chapter 3. It really is. It's the broken creation that you and I live in. And what it should do, what should happen is, what should happen for us as Christians is we should get focused in on the good things. It should draw our attention. It should grab a hold of us. It should stand out to us and we should celebrate those things. And at the same time, we should notice the evil things and reject those things and call them what they are. You know, a bunch of people want to get on there and say, oh, this was a good kid. No, it wasn't. No, he was evil. The signs were there and nobody wanted to point at it and call it what it was. They ignored everything that was done in, in favor of not hurting somebody's feelings or making somebody feel uncomfortable. And because they didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings or make somebody feel uncomfortable, 17 people needlessly lost their lives. That's, that's, where, that's the time, this present time. So I look at God and go, God, how am I supposed to continue to do what you've called me to do in this present time? How am I supposed to live godly and righteous in this present time? This is as evil as it's ever been. And I, and I looked at Titus and I said, you know what? That was a different time and a different place and he ain't talking to me. Wrong. Wrong. He's talking to me. He's talking to you. This still applies today. This still applies today. In Titus chapter 2 verse 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. It applies to me and you today. That's what's expected of us. You want to see this society, this culture healed? Do that. This is your prescription. You want to see things changed? You want to see things come to a screeching halt? Do that. Listen to the scripture. Get your prescription this morning and then use it as directed. I went Monday back to the doctor and got six different prescriptions. Six. Six of them. I went home and studied. 
Amanda had to take a marker and mark on the bottles what each one of them was for so I'd know when to take it and why to take it and why, where it was. It takes time to decipher six different prescriptions. It takes time to figure out. Now, this one you've got to take with food. This one you don't have to take with food. This one you take at night. This one's every 10 hours. This one's every six hours. I'm going, golly. This is your prescriptions. Study it. Look it over. Take the time. Don't just assume that they know what they're talking about. Each prescription comes with a different set of instructions. Each prescription comes with a different set of instructions. Be familiar with it. Understand it. Know it. Know how to apply it. Know how to take it. Know how to use it. Know how to turn it into something that you may use to point somebody else in an ungodly world towards the Creator. Get familiar with it. This is your prescription. Listen to this. Here's the fix for all this ungodliness that we see. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Whether they recognized it as that or not, it it has. Nobody can ever stand before God and say, I didn't know. All the excuses will be removed. Right? All right, so everybody's seen that grace. Everybody knows what you're talking about. And this is what it came for. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. There's your prescription. Deny ungodliness... Deny worldly lusts. Do live soberly, righteously, and godly in your present age, where you are today. That's sure easy to say. (laughs) But I want you to think for just a moment. I want you to take just a moment of time and understand the world that you live in. That it's different from the world that I live in in a lot of ways. Where you go to work isn't the same place I go to work. You know, a lot of my work day is spent by myself. I just have to get me to behave. I don't have to worry about anybody else. A lot of the times. Not always, but a lot of the times. For some of you, you never have that. Your whole day is filled with folks acting a fool. And it makes it tough. It really does. It makes it tough for you to do this. But it's not impossible. It's not impossible. It makes it tough to, to, to deny ungodliness and, and to deny worldly lust in some of the places that we live, in some of the places that we go, in some of the aspects of society in which we find ourselves. It's tough. I'm, I'm not denying that. It's hard. I, I understand that. But let me assure you it's worth the fight. It's worth it. Not only will it make a difference in your world, it'll make a difference in, in the world of the people around you. How do we fix people going into schools and just needlessly shooting up folks? We introduce them to Christ. We don't have a gun problem. We don't have a mental health problem. We have a heart problem. We're a part of a society who in large part does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's our problem. And here's the prescription for it. See, what happens is when you as an individual in your world, in your present age, when you walk through your daily life denying ungodliness and denying worldly lust, 
people take recognition of that. And they start to notice. And they say, you know, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but there's something a little different about that cat. <laughs> he doesn't respond to things the same way the rest of the world does. He doesn't use the words or laugh at the jokes or tell the jokes that the rest of the world does. There's something a little bit different. And they start to investigate. And when they figure out what you're doing is denying ungodliness and worldly lust, then they go, you know what, I may give that a shot. And then that change that takes place in you starts to affect the people around you and the world begins to change one person at a time. That's the only way we're ever going to change the world we live in is one at a time. And it starts with me. Me living out what I profess that I believe. Me denying ungodliness. Me calling sin what it is. Sin. Nobody wants to get up in the morning and stand in front of the mirror and go, I think I'll go sin today. But if you can name it something different and you can make it fuzzy and touchy-feely, then they get comfortable with it. And then they walk around with it everywhere you go and you begin to see it so much that we don't even look at it as sin anymore. We, it don't even make us uncomfortable anymore. As a matter of fact, it's more uncomfortable for me to call it what it is than for them to live in it and die and go to hell. And that's the truth. It's how we get to where we are today. It was a slow fade. There was a time when the most important thing you could do to your kids was teach them Scripture. It's not there anymore. That's not the top of our list anymore. It's not. It takes too much effort. It requires too much of you. It requires too much of me. It's a slow fade. Here's the fix, though. Deny ungodliness. Deny it. Go, you know what? Y'all do what you want to. I ain't touching it. You know, I had a young man ask me, and I ain't going to call him out and embarrass him, but I had a young man ask me about gambling here not, just not long ago. And I said, well, you can't, I can't do it. not going to do it. And he comes up with all these scenarios. Oh, somebody's giving away a brand new 270 Remington, $2 a chance, and ain't but two people bought a chance. You ain't going to buy none. No, I'm not. Well, you're crazy. Yes, you will. No, I won't. Why? Because I live under a higher standard. I can justify it. Me and you can sit here. We can justify it however you want to justify it. But if I'll stand up and call it ungodliness, maybe that young man will look at it one day and go, you know, that looks like ungodliness that guy was talking about one time. And maybe he'll shy away from it too. See, as Christians, we're set apart. A royal priesthood is how we're referred to. So why do so many of us look so much like the rest of the world? It's because we won't deny ungodliness. We won't deny worldly lust. In other words, if our flesh wants it, we go, okay, flesh, take it. And we give it to them. And our spirit gets weaker and our flesh gets stronger. And we can't figure out how we got to where we are today. I know. I know. You know. And you know how we're going to turn it around? One person at a time. And it starts with that feller in the mirror. Now that don't mean I've got to be perfect before I can help and minister to somebody else. Because if I wait till I've got it all figured out and I'm exactly where God wants me before I start, it don't go no further than that because I ain't going to get there. 
But it's about being on the right path and being on the right track and having your mind set to something way more important than anything this world has to offer. We are called to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. In this day. Soberly, godly, righteously. Do you know how many people will be offended if you stand up in your work tomorrow and say, I've declared starting yesterday that I'm going to live a godly life? You know how many of them will, will throw rocks at you when you walk in the door and go, hey, I'm going to try my best to be righteous? <laughs> They'll curl their nose up and laugh. But if you'll do it, but now listen to me, you can't make a proclamation and not let nothing change. can't do that. That's what got us to where we are today. Too many people's claiming it and ain't living it. We look just like the rest of the world too many times. We're supposed to be different. We're called to be different, just like those two young men sang about. We're called to be different and changed. It's a genuine change. So don't make the proclamation if you ain't really re willing to walk it because you'll do more damage than good. It's how we got to where we are today. Deny ungodliness. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 through 21. Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 through 21. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Stop. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk is an action word. Walk is forward progress. Walk is continuous action or habitual lifestyle that implies progress. Walk in the Spirit. Not claim, not shout, not sing. Walk physically, day to day, taking on the responsibilities of this Scripture and going out there and letting people see the progress that you're making in your life. Habitual lifestyle. It's over and over. It's not day to day. Anybody can do a good deed. A lifestyle. A lifestyle. Habitual acts of godliness. Over and over and over and over. Keep going. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. You ever been there? You ever put your foot down and said, I'm going to make a change? You ever got on the altar and, and, and cried out to God and said, God, I'm going to be different. God, I'm, I'm going to be changed. And then go to work the next day and run into that guy you left at the altar on Sunday. You know what the problem is? is that your flesh is stronger than your spirit. This, the scripture just said it right here in Galatians. They war against each other. And when your flesh is stronger than your spirit, then you do things you don't even want to do. You want to make a change. You want to be different. You want to make it right. You want to be godly. You want to be righteous. But you're not willing to put in the effort. I played football in high school. I was a little bitty wormy guy. and had no business on nobody's football team nowhere. I'm talking about a buck 25 soaking wet little guy. I know it's hard to imagine looking at me now, but it's true. 
I was so skinny you could see through my ears, they so thin. Little dude. And we played football. Freshman year. And there was this guy, there was these guys on the team, man, that 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 I mean the weight room is where they stayed. Man, they stayed in that weight room. They worked out. I mean, they were in shape. They were ready to go. They were they were bad dudes. Then there was this other guy that wanted to run with those guys except for when they went into the weight room. He ran around with them all the time, wanted to be beside them on the, on the sideline, wanted to be in their group in all the practices and all the runnings. But when they went in the weight room, he was nowhere to be found. He wanted what they had, but he wasn't willing to put in the work to get what they had. That's us. We want to change. We want to do better. But we're not willing to make the sacrifices that it takes to get to where we want to be. We just want to close our eyes, snap our fingers and be there. Listen, y'all, it's work. Your flesh is strong, naturally. And your flesh can feed off of anything you can find. But making your spirit strong requires some sacrifice and some work. And you got to be willing to put in the work in order to get to the place where you want to be spiritually. It doesn't come overnight. It doesn't come all at once. It's not automatic and everybody can't achieve it because they ain't willing to put in the work. They ain't willing to make the sacrifices. you got to put in the time. you got to put in the work. you got to make the sacrifices. Keep going with me. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, (coughs) idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of. Don't miss that in the like of. You know what that means? That means this ain't a complete list. It means there's a good place to start and here's some things to avoid. But this ain't a complete list. There's still some stuff that could have been listed that wasn't. There's some other things. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past. Look what he says. That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are things to avoid. You want to see our society corrected? You want to see a difference in the culture we live in? One at a time. And it starts with me. One at a time. Avoid ungodliness. And ungodliness is laid out in a pretty good list right there in Galatians chapter 5. If you keep reading that, it goes into the fruits of the spirits and gives you a list of things that are great for you to be a part of. But somewhere in that list is a weakness of yours, I promise promise. Yours may not be drunkenness. Yours may not be murders. But what about outburst of wrath? See, we've all got our weakness and we've all got our spot and what we want to do is point to everything that we do well and ignore the things that we're weak in. Where in reality what we ought to be doing is focusing where we're weak and going, God, you got to help me right here. You got to show me right here. You got to get me through to a place where I can work on this. You got to get me to a place where I ain't, this ain't my main struggle no more. 
and you work at it and you work at it and you work at it until you took the sword out, cut its head off. Because tomorrow will be full of something else to work on. It will. It's a, it's, a, it's a constant, man. It's a constant. It's a constant. Go with me to um, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I think this is something that we forget a lot of times, that if we could get our minds set on these things, these next couple of verses, that we could uh, have a better understanding of, of our prescription. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Not a modified version of you. This, this salvation is not about you breaking bad habits. It's not. It's not about you being good enough to be accepted. It's not a modified version of you. It's not. This isn't modification of your behavior. This is you becoming a new creation. New creation. Recreated. New creation. We forget that. We forget that not only for ourselves but the people around us. And we look at somebody and go, well, that person's way too far gone to worry about now. I need to move on. It's not up for you to decide. Maybe you forgot that you are a new creation. You're, you, if you go back to your old you, they'll say the same thing about you. I know that's true for me. A new creation. Listen to this. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How many of us are trying to walk this walk and hold on to what we've always been? We're trying to keep the same friends we've always had. We're still trying to go the same places we've always went. It won't work. It won't. I promise you, it can't. It can't work. You know what's one of the first things they tell a person that's battling addiction who has gotten clean? What's one of the first things they got to do? Got to. You know why? Because you can get as clean as you want to be. If you go back to the same trash you was in before you started, you just started all over. You are a new creation. You can't keep doing what you've always done. You can't keep going where you've always went. You can't keep being who you've always been. You're a new creation. Something's got to change. Do you realize that to do the same thing over and over expecting a different result is one definition of insanity? If you do that, you're crazy. Something's got to change. At some point, you've got to do something different. You have forgotten, maybe, that you are a new creation. It starts with you. It starts with me. And we change this place one person at a time. One at a time. By how? Living out what you profess that you believe. Let them see you live it. Let them see you walk it. Don't profess it if you ain't going to walk it. That's what you call taking the Lord's name in vain. There's another version of that too that we're all familiar with. 
But some people forget for me to step out here in this world and claim I'm a Christian and go live like the world, that's the same thing. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. That's me. It's just like that guy in the video said, you can't take Jesus' name and then deny his kids. Right? If you're going to be adopted into this family, you adopted into the whole family. I know it's scary. Look around. <laughs> hey, we trying. We trying. We working on that. We working on it. It's forward progress. Continuous habitual behavior. Not modification of your behavior. A brand new you. How are we going to change this world we live in? We're going to retrain the way that we think in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Because see, we can't look like the rest of the world. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now look at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. If you're going to become a new creation, you've got to change the way you think. You do. You've got to change. If we're going to change this world that we live in, if we're going to make a difference in this society we're stuck in, we've got to change the way we think. You've got to put on your biblical glasses when you look at things. You've got to process things not just through the way you've been taught, but by what's right. You've got to filter it through this and see how it comes out. You can't just declare you don't agree with me. Because I mean, that's fine. You can do that, but make sure you don't disagree with this. You can say, well, heck, i got lottery tickets right now. I don't see nothing wrong with it. Okay, you ain't got to get that approved by me at all. There ain't but one person that's got to approve whatever you do. And I know I picked gambling this morning, but I can pick a whole lot of other subjects. Some of y'all would be squirming a lot worse. Than... Because we've okayed it. We've renamed it. We've made it okay. We've accepted it. We've accepted it for a lot of different reasons. And we've justified it in 40 different directions. So what separates you from the rest of the world, Christian? I mean, really, what separates you? What makes you different? If you're going to do the things they do and act the way they act and go the places they go, then why are you different? The only difference is they slept in this morning, you wasted your time, got up and come to church. Right? Y'all got quiet on me. It got hateful all of a sudden, didn't it? No, it's not hateful. It's me giving you the prescription because every one of us sitting in here have something that we could be working on that we're hoping and praying that the little big mouth preacher don't bring up this morning. That's the truth. Because then that would cause us to have to deal with the conviction that comes from our maker and cause us to possibly have to change something in our lives that we ain't changed in the last 20, 30, 40 years because we think we got it figured out and we're going to stand before Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, I never knew you. It ain't going to be because I didn't do my part. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. He tells me to come in here and tell you the truth. He tells me to come in here and just give you the scriptures and let you go home and deal with it. Some of you like it and some of you won't. It's okay. You've been mad at me over a lot less. You have. Some of you mad because it got cold in there last week. That's the truth. 
That's the truth. And that's a lot less than this. Some of you will be a lot madder than you are now. It's up to me to be honest with you. It's up to me to tell you the truth and point to the things that the Scripture says to give you your prescription. And whether you trust it or not, it's between you and God. You've got to sit down and decipher it and figure it out and see if it really adds up. I promise you what I'm telling you this morning is the truth. There ain't but two places you're going to spend eternity. That's heaven or hell. There's nothing in between. There's no holding pen. There's no place where you go to try to make it better. There's none of that. It's one or the other. And it's only decided by one thing, whether or not you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. The things I'm telling you point you into having that relationship. The things I'm telling you put you in a place where you can have that relationship with Jesus Christ, where it can be a growing, living, breathing relationship. We are a new creation. Nobody should get saved and 40 years later be the same person they was the day they got saved. Right? You can't do that. That's not salvation. I don't care who taught you that. It's not. A new creation, all things become new. You you get in a process of updating things over and over. How many of you still have the same cell phone you had the first time you bought a cell phone? Nobody. Nobody still has the same cell phone they had the first time they bought a cell phone. Mine was a Nokia. They don't even make them no more. Right? Why did you update? Why, why Why did you not just stay with what you've always had? Why did you not just trust that Nokia made the best one they could make the first time they made it? You wouldn't be talking to nobody. You couldn't be text. I couldn't text. On a Nokia, you didn't see nothing. You got a call, you sent a you got you answered a call and you made a call. That was it. So what kind of idiot would I be to sit in the corner with my Nokia declaring this has to be the greatest it ever was? This is the way it was the first time I ever had one. See, as you grow, things grow, right? The Bible says, the, the Word itself says that this is a living Word of God, right? That means it grows with you. And as things change in your life, this changes so that you understand it in a different way. It doesn't change. It still says the same thing it said, but it speaks differently to you. You know why? Not because it changed. Because you did. If this thing still says the same thing it did to you in your life where you are today as it did the first time you read it 40 years ago, something's wrong. Right? Not that the words ain't the same. Not that God changed it in any way. You changed. You should be maturing every day in your walk with Christ. And as we mature, things change. John 3.16 don't say the same thing to me today as it did the first time I memorized it. It don't. It has a whole different meaning. A whole different meaning. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me definitely does not say the same thing to me today as it did the first time I heard it. It don't. Did it change? No. I matured. I'm growing. You cannot be in the same place today as you was the day you got saved, whether it was five years ago or 50 years ago. There should be a difference somewhere. Something should be happening. And if it's not, you're part of the problem. You're too comfortable with where you are. You're okay with the things the way they are. Y'all, I'm not okay with the way things are. I'm not. It's an ugly world that you're fixing to walk out of these doors and go into. It's hateful. It don't care about you near as much as I do. It don't care about you near as much as God does. 
but it'll trick you into thinking it does and it'll lead you into putting things in your life that don't belong for the whole purpose of keeping you exactly where you are today so that you never get any stronger, you never get any bigger, you never get any more mature. And then spend all that time convincing you that you're doing it right when you're not. That's what's wrong with our society. That's how we got here. It was a slow progression, one person at a time. They used to call them Bible thumpers. They used to stand on the corners and proclaim the gospel. They used to go to the courthouse on Saturdays and just preach. Nobody standing in front of them. Just stand up there and about why would they do that? Because they thought everybody needed to hear it and they knew the fact was all them people wasn't coming to church on Sunday. So they had to take the gospel to them. You know what we call them today? Non-existent. <laughs> it don't happen. If we're not invited, we don't go. Can I tell you the most important place for you to be is where you're not invited. Where you're not wanted. You know, you're going to go through this life and you're going to spread out the gospel and three things are possible. We had this in Sunday school this morning. Some people's going to laugh at you. Some people's going to question you. And some people's going to accept what you have to say. You've got to be okay with all three. You do. Because there's people that will walk out of here this morning laughing at me. Well, that little round, bald-headed, <laughs> dumpy, loud mouth, whatever you want to call me, I don't care, I've been called it all. And they'll just laugh and go on about their way. And you know what? All I can do is intercede for them in prayer and ask God to put other people in their life that they don't find so humorous so that they can take his word serious. <coughs> There'll be other people that'll question me this morning. Are you sure? And you know what my job to do is? Is to answer those questions to the best of my ability. To take a person and, and walk them through Scripture and go, here's where it's at. It's not me saying it. It's the Scripture that says it, and it's real. And there'll be other people that just take it and run with it. We'll be linked up arm in arm, skipping across the lilies somewhere, just as happy as they can be that they finally figured it out. And all three of them have to be accepted. I have, to, I have to learn how to deal with all three of them. You do too. And you have to understand that all three are possible. I'm just about to wrap this thing up. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Colossians 3, 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. You've got to get your focus right. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You, you can't have the same focus as you've always had. We, we can't keep making the things of this world more important than the things of God. And we do that by what we worship. You know you were created to worship, every one of us. You're going to worship something. God's desire is that you worship Him and Him alone. But what happens is, is we end up worshiping the things that are created instead of the Creator. 
It happens over and over and over. Kevin told this story the first time I heard it. I don't know where it originated at. Of a father that was so proud of his kids. Every day he'd come in from, from work and his kids would meet him at the door and they'd just love on him and, and just want to spend time with him and just, just want, to, want to be with him. And he said, I want to reward my kids for being so faithful to me. I want to reward my kids and show them how proud I am that they're my kids. So he went and bought them a new television and put it in their room. He comes home the next day, walks in the door and stands there with open arms. Nobody's there. He comes in the next day, same thing. These kids that had been rushing to him, guess where they were? They was worshiping the gift instead of the giver. We do that, y'all. We do that. We get so caught up in the things of this world, the created things, and we begin to worship those things. And you know, you can sit and say, well, I ain't never lit a candle and to nothing. Well, that ain't worship. That ain't the only form of worship there is. Worship is anytime you put something, anything, anything that you put between you and God. This right here is probably the biggest God there is in our, in our society today. I can remember the first time I bought a cell phone. I mentioned that earlier, a little blue Nokia. My daddy told me I, what a real genius I was when I bought it. He said, that's just what you need. It's another telephone. And I thought I was cool, Ronnie. I was 16 years old. I had me a Nokia. Matter of fact, I got a deal and got me and Thomas both one. He was 14. At that time, that was the dumbest thing in the world to my daddy. If he left the house this morning coming to church and left his cell phone, you know what he'd do? <laughs> Same thing y'all do. Huh? You'd go back and get it. You would. I would. He would. Ain't, ain't nobody in here that wouldn't if you had the choice. Now that was the, just a few years ago. I'm just 40. I'm just 40. It ain't been that long ago I was 16 and that was the dumbest thing in the world was for somebody to have a cell phone. Right? Now it's so important we won't leave home without it. You think we don't worship them? Hey man. People go spend the night outside on the concrete. Spend the night to have the newest one. They spend the night on the concrete outside in the weather so they can give $1,000 for it. It ain't like it's free because they stayed the night. No, they do all that so they can be the first dummy to give them $1,000 for it. You don't think this ain't a God in our society? Man, it is. Number two would probably be one of those. Of course, it's not used in our house, what it's used for here, but a television. You think a TV ain't a God in your house? You know what people in foreign countries, where they place their gods, their idols? They place them in the center of the room. And every piece of furniture in that room faces that idol so that when people come to their home, they sit down and they stare at their idol, at their God. I want you to go home and look at your living room. What does every piece of furniture in your house face? Your idol. TV. Now, is a TV evil? You ought to all burn your TVs and throw them out or Brother Nick thinks you're going to hell? No. Didn't say that. But when it becomes the most important thing in your household, you'd be better off throwing it out in the yard and burning it. You would. Because now it's become an idol. 
you were made to worship. God hopes and prays that you will worship Him. <laughs> but a lot of times our worship gets distracted. Listen, if we'll get back to worshiping the creator of things instead of the created things, we can start to fix the problems that we see in our society. One person at a time, starting with the guy in the mirror. That's how we're going to correct this. Listen, y'all, it's not a gun problem. It's not a mental health problem. It's, it's not a, a foster care problem. It's a heart problem. It's a lack of Jesus problem. That's, that's the problem. And the only way it's ever going to get fixed is when God's people begin to live the way that he prescribed for us to live. Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, right? And pursuing righteousness and godliness. You got that? That's what it's going to take. It's going to take that. I got one more scripture and I'm going to quit. If I can figure out which one it is. Because I may not have even wrote it down or gave it to them. I think it's Philippians 4.8. I think that may not be correct. Yes, it is correct. Philippians 4, 8. Look here. Listen, listen to this. Write this down. Mark this. You want to see a change take place in your life? Practice this. You want to see things start to change in your family and in your household? Practice this. You want to see things start to change in your mentality and your attitude? Practice this. Look at what this says. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Find you something. Find you a piece of scripture, a song lyric. Find you something, a piece of paper to write something on. Find you something. Find you something to start your day work with that has something in it that is noble, something that is, that is, um, that is pure, something in it that is lovely, something that it has good report. Find you something, a piece of scripture, a song lyric, something, and meditate on it all day long. Now, I used to think meditation was sitting there, that little fat guy. Well, that's not it at all. Meditation is having something in your mind you can run over and over and over because there's coming a time in your day when, when your mind is going into idle except one problem. Your mind doesn't have an idol. I can prove that. Any of y'all ever had a dream? You know what that was? That was the rest of your body in idol and your mind not. Because <laughs> it don't have idol. It's constantly moving. It's constantly going. No neutral. So when it gets there, you've got to have something for it to dwell on because if not, it's going to pick up something. <laughs> and 99.9% .9 of the time, it's not going to be good. And you're going to be meditating on things that are not noble, that are not godly, that are not pure. You do realize sin starts as a thought, right? It's a progression. If you can capture it before it's a thought, you don't have to go there. If we're going to fix the society we live in, if we're going to see a change in the culture where we reside, here's your prescription. This is it. Now what you do with it's up to you. Take it to heart or laugh at the guy that brought it. It's up to you. Y'all stand with me. <clears throat>
They're going to come up here and lead us in a word of song, and I want to encourage you to do whatever God's laid on your heart, whatever that may be, and I'm, I'm, I'm sincere about that. Whatever God's laid on your heart, it may make some of us uncomfortable, but you do what God's called you to do. Whatever He spoke to you this morning, deal with that. Whatever He's telling you to do, do that. Whether it's stand in your, your seat and shout, or it's come to this altar and pray, whatever it is. Whatever God's speaking to you, react to that. Respond to that. The only way this place we live in is ever going to be changed is one person at a time. And it starts with me as an individual and it starts with you as an individual.